Africa's senior IOC member retires. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Around the Rings Radio. I'm Ed Hula. The new year is bringing some changes to the IOC membership with a number of retirements. Seven members dropped off the roster effective January 1, leaving the IOC with 96 members for 2019. One of the prominent retirees, Sam Ramsamy, IOC member in South Africa since 1995. Ramsamy was deeply involved in the campaign to end apartheid, particularly in the realm of sport. 1992 was the year South African athletes returned to the Games for the first time since 1960. Across the nearly two dozen years he's served on the IOC, Sam Ramsamy has been an executive board member, a member of the London 2012 Coordination Commission, chair of the Sport and Active Society Commission, I could go on, but as Sam Ramsamy would say, all protocols accepted. Welcome to Around the Rings Radio, Sam Ramsamy. Thanks for joining us from Durban. Welcome and Happy New Year. You've seen a lot since 1995 on the IOC. Uh, changes of one sort or another. What do you notice most about what's changed on the IOC since 1993 and this year. May, may I go back a little bit? Yeah, I've been following activities of the IOC from the outside, obviously, uh, since the presidency of Avery Brundage, and we noticed a dramatic change from then, uh, which of course initiated largely, at the beginning of the changes were largely initiated by Mr. Samarant, who served for a very long period, and he formalized very many of the activities, and he brought a type of a respect for the IOC that didn't exist before, although previously it was uh, uh, the IOC was was regarded as a as, as a high polluted uh, 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 organization, um, uh, uh, very much serving the establishment and uh, having very many racist uh, 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 components w- within the movement. And Samarant has changed all of that, and especially as far as the IOC is concerned. Uh, he has changed, uh, also brought quite a lot of revenue into the IOC, which previously didn't happen. And all that provided the IOC with types of resources which we are now enjoying. And obviously, of course, after uh, the retirement of Mr. Samaranch, um, uh, we had um, Jacques Roger. Jacques Roger, of course, made sure that he stabilized the IOC because of... Um, uh, the so-called uh, Salt Lake City scandal. We need to, to, to again project a different image for the IOC, uh, and of course uh, uh, Jacques Roger proceeded in that particular respect in stabilizing the image of the IOC, which obviously was started by uh, Samaranch in the so-called reform process. And the reform process was very, very good, was excellent, because it brought so many new components into the IOC. Uh, for instance, the, the type of membership that we have now was the result of the reform uh, process that uh, Mr. Samaranch uh, initiated. And to some extent, I suppose one can say he was motivated by what had happened there, uh, in Salt Lake City. But although Salt Lake City, uh, you know, we, we tend to use that as a, a, a type of a focus attention, but obviously there were other issues before Salt Lake City, and to, to some extent, I suppose, immediately afterwards, but I'm, I'm happy to say that's all changed. And what I think is important now, that has provided Thomas Buck, 
now that the IFC has been stabilized, to look at a, a, a new projection. And as Thomas Bach said, you know, we need to start looking at changes now while we are stabilized and, and not to be reactive in the future. And I think this particular process has taken the IOC to a new level, which, of course, I was part of, and I was part of Jacques Roger and Thomas Bach's executive grouping. And uh, we are very, very happy the way the IOC is going. Obviously, there are negative aspects, and we need to address those negative aspects to a large extent that... Uh, comes as a result of what is happening within the, the bidding process. But I am certain that that again will be, be resolved in, in the future. So those are the, the changes that have happened. And, um, and again, as Thomas constantly says, change or be changed. And what I think is important for all of us, and this is a very important component for us to, to have in, uh, as part of the background information, is that we're part of society. We, we need we have to take into consideration what is happening in the world, what is happening in, in society. And if we don't take part in that particular process, obviously we're going to get divorced. We're certainly not divorced now, as Jacques Roger, since Samaranch's uh, retirement, Samaranch started it. Of course, he started, Samaranch started uh, the Athletes Commission. And of course, Samaranch started the, the, the process where we now, we don't have issues like amateurism and sham amateurism uh, and uh, there is in fact you know I, I don't know whether the word amateur exists anymore now that again is a result I believe initially of, of Samaranch and which now has gone to a different level altogether. Uh, now there is still a, a negative view of the Olympics that is out worldwide that has sabotaged Olympic bids made it very difficult for cities to propose bids for the Olympic Games. Uh, how, how is the IOC going to overcome that? There are detractives, there's no doubt, and I think to a large extent it comes from a certain element within uh, the, the media sector. You know, the, most elements of the media sector are very positive, but there are uh, 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 elements, and of course you are deeply involved in the media sector, and as you know, the, the negative uh, 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 element always overtakes all the positive elements that happen, and uh, uh, to some extent, like uh, um, uh, uh, Winston Churchill's, Churchill said, uh, you know, the negative aspects go around the world, while uh, the, uh, 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 the, the the truth, to a large extent, how to recover from these negative aspects, is still putting on his trousers. That I think is an issue, and sadly, that happens all over the world in all elements of life. And uh, they, unfortunately, we have to see how we can address that. And I believe at the moment, uh, in my view, and I did discuss this with, with Thomas Buck, that is a, a position I think the IOC is presently addressing, how to, to, to try and address these issues, what type of activities we need to do, and how to address it. But the other sad thing where the negative elements do come about is that, uh, you know, unlike... Uh, sports like uh, you know the American uh, uh, sports activities or football, uh, which you call soccer, uh, you know the continuous activity. The IOC does not have that continuous activity, and there is a lull. And during that lull period of lull, that is when uh, uh, people started looking for negative elements, and and that I think is to some extent also um, 
an issue we need to address. And I believe that, that particular uh, one of the elements that uh, addressing that issue, and I hope uh, it uh, again is intensified, is Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel will constantly put out and um, the, 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 the elements that what the IOC stands for, what the IOC is doing. And many people forget, for instance, you know, they have this, 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 this uh, 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 misconstrued uh, um, uh, notion um, uh, that uh, um, the IOC is there to make money for its members. And when you know, and all of us know, over 90% of the money that the IOC gets in one form or the other goes in sports development of one type or the other. And this, again, never comes out, never comes out in public. And, and of course, these are elements I believe we need to see how we can address. This month is uh, the 20th anniversary of a dark, dark time in the IOC history. The uh, ethics report was released on the Salt Lake City scandal that led to resignations and uh, expulsions for for some IOC members in 1999. Um, how how far has the IOC come from from that time? I, I believe we then uh, not only uh, the IOC but the world was living in a different era at that particular stage, and and that during that particular era we didn't really uh, analyze all the, the the elements of the sports activities or what the IOC is really standing for, and of course you know sadly to some extent IOC some IOC members. I'm happy to say none of them are presently in the IOC. They, they, they are not there anymore. They made certain demands. And, of course, those demands, again, sadly, were met by the bidding committees. And to some extent, the bidding committees themselves exaggerated the type of activity that they were going to provide IOC members. And to, to some extent, the IOC, not all of them, but some IOC members exploited that situation. Now, I am happy to say that particular uh, element within the IOC, that component of the IOC, uh, or that particular uh, uh, programming of the IOC doesn't exist anymore. And, and also, of course, what is happening now in this particular process, which has been cleaned up, I believe. But then on the other hand, you know, we are all human beings. And I'm not going to say that it's been totally cleaned up because obviously there have been elements that, uh, you know, people are talking about what happened in Rio, for instance, and um, what happened in uh, uh, Tokyo. You know, of course, there are just rumors or sometimes there's truth. We don't know exactly what is happening because um, at the moment um, we haven't yet found out exactly what is happening. So the, the benefit of the doubt has to go to, to these particular organizations or the bidding committees. But again... That element is also gone because now the, 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 the position has been reversed. Not a question of um, the um, uh, uh, bidding committees uh, uh, trying to induce IOC members to vote for them. It's the other way around now. Where the IOC is trying to induce uh, 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 countries to, uh, to take part in the Olympic Games and bid for the Olympic Games and to host the Olympic Games. So that, that because of that reversal of that policy or re- reversal of that particular landscape, we see, I, I believe, that element will totally vanish altogether. We will we'll not see a type of a, a corruption that has happened. And, and I'm happy to say that uh, the Ethics Commission, which monitors all elements uh, of um, uh, the uh, IOC activities, IOC members' activities, in fact, I believe to some extent they're going to have a very easy time now.
You were involved very much in the fight to end apartheid in South Africa and uh, worked very hard in the in the area of sport to to and and the, the the racial discriminatory laws what impact did the olympic movement have in this it had, in this struggle it had yeah it had a tremendous impact extraordinary impact and to a large extent that particular impact or or the change within the ioc was driven by uh, African IOC members, there were not very many at this place, but they were very vocal, they were very strong, and also with a great help from uh, the, the IOC members from the, the so-called East European countries then, the socialist countries. And that combination, although it was very small, it helped a lot. The other issue that has always helped, uh, um, yeah, or, or shall I say, uh, uh, resulted in the demise of apartheid and apartheid sport, is that, you see, Africa was the, 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 the main driving force in trying to destroy apartheid. And Africa does not have the, the, the same resources in very many areas. It doesn't have political resources, it doesn't have economic resources. But it had, at that stage, and even now, it has what is called sporting resources. For instance, at that particular stage, if African athletes did not take part in certain events all over the world now, and uh, the the value of those particular events uh, in very many uh, ways diminished. So they then preferred not to have South African athletes so that the rest of the athletes can come over there. And that, to some extent, was largely responsible uh, in, in, in facilitating uh, uh, and, uh, in fact, uh, encouraging other countries, especially countries in, even in the Nordic countries. They all joined in. Uh, in, in, in the campaign against apartheid. That has helped. And, and Mr. Samaranch, of course, then realized that um, elements are changing again and we need to bring South Africa in. And he created this committee where I was involved. This was long before I became an IUC member, in 1988, just before uh, the, uh, the Olympic Games in Seoul. Uh, he created this committee that monitors what is happening within the apartheid structure in South Africa and specifically sport. And uh, out of that, of course, uh, as we know, um, things were changing in South Africa also very dramatically. And, uh, um, uh, and to such an extent that um, uh, even long before the, 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 the constitutional demise of apartheid, which took place only in 1994, uh, South Africa was allowed to take part in the Olympic Games in 1992. And this was largely, again, the result of Mr. Samaranch and Mr. Mandela, who then wasn't the president of the country. They got together and they said, let us look for a way and ways and means of encouraging sport, sports activities, encouraging non-racialism. And we got, we got that particular element within uh, uh, 1992 at the Barcelona Olympic Games. And then there was a very historic moment at the Olympic Games in uh, Barcelona, which has never happened and I don't think it will ever happen. For the first time in the history of the Olympic Games, non-participating athletes took part in the March Pass. In, in, in the March Pass. And that was because of the arrangement that Nelson Mandela and, and uh, Juan Antonio Samaranch made, because at that stage, it was going to be a virtually all-white team that would have marched in the opening ceremony and participated in the game. And then we got a developmental team of 25 up-and-coming 
black athletes to take part in, in the march past. And, and for the first time, as I said, history has made it. That never happened before. That I believe it never happened again. That non non participating athletes will take part in the match pass, and that took place. And that, of course, encouraged quite a lot of change within South Africa. And that is where we are now. How many athletes or non participating athletes took part in the march? Twenty five athletes. Yeah, which I which I I personally identified, and together with Nelson Mandela. Uh, and and uh, and other uh, colleagues of mine, we identified those athletes, and 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 as a result of that, some of them uh, are afterwards, um, a few years later, uh, one of our young boys got into the uh, the South African sailing team, the yachting team. Another uh, took part in the uh, modern pentathlon, and of course, since then, we have a, a different uh, landscape altogether in South Africa now. Yeah, do you still feel the feel the effect, see the effect of apartheid today in in South African sport? Yes, yeah, that is, yeah, that is, that's, the effect is still there because all the most of the facilities in the sports that are involved in the Olympic Games and in in international sport, the facilities are largely in what is called the former white areas, and opportunities are still not presented. Uh, for uh, black athletes to, to, to go to those areas and take part. For instance, the swimming pools. Swimming pools are largely in the former white areas, and it's not easy for black athletes to go and train, and they're far away from uh, the residential zones, etc. Uh, but it's, 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 uh, transformation is taking place, but it's not uh, uh, taking place in an accelerated pace that we want. It's taking place rather slowly, uh, but I believe that that uh, again uh, is the result. Of course, as we know, in sport, um, in very many sports, we need to develop uh, activities from the very young. And I believe in in the next ten to fifteen years, we'll see a team that is truly representative of South Africa. And when I talk about a team truly representative of South Africa, I'm talking, for instance, like the basketball team in the United States, where everybody is given an opportunity and. Whether the team comes out all white, all black, or half white and half black, it's a genuine South African team. That is what we're looking forward to. Exactly like what is happening in many parts of the United States now. Yeah, I remember in, uh, for the 2000 Olympics in Sydney, I think you had to fight blacks on the on the hockey team. The field hockey team yes. was... was <laughs> yes, it was largely, largely white. The field hockey team was largely white. And then we, of course, made, made it very clear that if you had a team that was largely white, it must have what is called a developmental component. And, of course, this is part of the IOC policy now. And that is why we have, for instance, uh, uh, um, uh, the issue of universality. And we want universality in the South African team, too. And when there was no universality, genuine universality in certain teams, it, we said we reject that particular team. And also, what we also do, because some of the, the top athletes in the country are black and others are white in the golfing arena. We haven't yet got a, a top uh, a black athlete. For instance, in swimming, Chad Leclerc and Cameron Sandemere still come from the white community. But they are the top of the world, and we have to take them. But what we said in hockey you are not the best in the world. You just you can't say you take you took you're taking part in the Olympic Games because 
you have qualified via the African system because at that stage in in 2000, we could have taken a, a, a our third team, a third hockey team, and still qualified uh, 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 representing Africa at the Olympic Games. And that, and that again, uh, to me, you know, it, it, brought, it brought, uh, brought a, a fake sense of representation. And for that, for that particular reason, we refused to take the uh, 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 male hockey team, but we took the female hockey team because they had a very uh, high uh, international ranking. And also, they did not have very many black people in the team. But because they had a very high international uh, ranking, we took them. But the white, uh, white male team did not have an high international ranking. And we said, sorry. And then, of course, it was made as if uh, I was practicing. Of course, I'm the one who led that particular campaign. You know, people accuse me, especially from within the white community in South Africa, that I am practicing apartheid in reverse. Yeah, it was a difficult moment. I think. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Some sharp words exchanged there. You, you, that's you that's mentioned right, yeah. you mentioned swimming. Uh, your yes. involvement in sport comes from from swimming. Um, tell us a little a, a little bit about that. Why 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 swimming and why is swimming important? Well, uh, yeah, I think well, uh, swimming has always been very, very you know, a, a component within the uh, yeah, within the South African community who whose uh, activities uh, have uh, uh, been highlighted internationally. We've had uh, uh, swimmers even in the uh, days of apartheid who have done very, very well, uh, and that particular history continued. And uh, as I said, now we have a developmental level. I'm happy to say, very many kids from within the uh, disadvantaged community, I mean the black community, uh, are, are, are taking part in swimming uh, at various levels. For instance, our team uh, representation at the African Games has a number of uh, black swimmers, and uh, that will take. That again uh, will indicate whether they're good enough internationally. But to to a large extent. Not only swimming, where where the, the the sport is still very technical, and I suppose the same thing happens in the, in the United States, where it's very technical, the, the privileges still go to the people who uh, are financially well off, where where there's a uh, where a degree of affluence is necessary, uh, and the same thing happens, I think, in the United States. When you look at uh, certain elements within the United States, you you'll see the same type. Uh, of a, uh, 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 a, a, a dimension that exists in South Africa. If you look at the United States, in the swimming, for instance, there are hardly any uh, 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 black swimmers in the USA team. Uh, but if, <laughs> the basketball team is different. If one looks at the basketball team in the United States, one would get the impression that uh, the majority of uh, 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 Americans are black Americans. <laughs> give, a, give a different component altogether. Uh, you are involved with FINA, the Aquatics Federation, yeah. as as a vice mm-hmm. president for, for for many years. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you also are involved with the sport for all activities um, of the of the IOC. Um, can you talk a little bit about swimming as a as a sport for all and the importance of Swimming as a important life skill. Yeah, in fact, I am. I now chair uh, within FINA uh, 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 the uh, 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 the element called uh, swimming for all, swimming for life. 
you know, there's an annual uh, uh, statistical information provided by the World Health Organization that over 300,000 uh, people drown each year in, in, uh, as a result of activities resulting in, in water, drowning activities. And we want to bring that down. So at a, a universal level, we're looking at how to bring it down, how to bring that particular element down. And secondly, of course, as you rightly said, it's a life skill. And, and, and Tina, uh, under my chairmanship, is, uh, has now tackled very many issues. For instance, we have, for the first time ever, uh, uh, FINA, because we have now um, a, fair, uh, uh, um, uh, a substantial amount of money, we are providing a, a developmental uh, 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 um, um, uh, allocations for each federation, each national federation. We have 205 uh, federations. Each national federation is provided with $25,000 each year in uh, exercising elements of uh, development in swimming which I believe over the years and next few years, we will see not only uh, hopefully a decrease in drowning, but also taking, uh, taking part in swimming activities on a very wide scale. We, I believe that will happen. And uh, that's important for us. And over and above that, uh, and this again is thanks to uh, uh, Giulio uh, Maglioni, the president of FINA, he has proposed that he's going to provide a, a, a facilities where the facilities do not exist uh, for uh, athletes and national federations, uh, swimming pools, or, uh, or providing uh, types of facilities uh, where there can be water safety activities uh, in the oceans, uh, which is not very easy, uh, in the dams, in the rivers, uh, and other places of uh, areas where there is a, a large expanse of water. And for instance, in Africa, you know, and, and I'm certain that it also exists in certain parts of Asia, most of the swimmers, they train in hotel pool. They don't have a swimming pool simply because of the resources of the country doesn't provide for, for, uh, for swimming uh, uh, activities, a swimming pool. So we, uh, we have decided now from next year or the year after that uh, each uh, country will be looked into uh, the value of having a swimming pool and we will be providing swimming pool at least one or two each year for each continent. We're going to do that. Uh, and that, I believe, will also accelerate uh, development of swimming uh, and uh, to a larger extent. Secondly, of course, um, we have the, the other element, which is also very important, is uh, uh, you know, we need to look at parental involvement. Parental involvement in swimming is also, uh, for us, an important element. Uh, simply because, uh, and this happens especially in the developing world, uh, you, you see a kid uh, having difficulty in the water and then the father goes to try and rescue the person. Instead of one person drowning, you get two persons drowning. And uh, we're looking at that particular element too, so that the educational process uh, is, is universal as far as uh, uh, the age grouping is concerned. We're talking with Sam Ram Sammy. IOC member, now retired in South Africa and still a very important figure in African sport. Um, the 2022 Youth Olympic Games are coming to Dakar, Senegal. How important of a, an event is this in the development of Olympic sports in Africa? 
Yeah, we are very encouraged and very inspired by that. Uh, you know, as many people know, as uh, Cape Town bid for the Olympic Games of uh, uh, 2004, and we, we did not succeed in that particular uh, element. And we thought Cape Town was one of the favorites within <laughs> that little uh, activity that we had, and we failed. But now we've seen a more universality coming in. And again, this again is thanks to the IOC and Thomas Buck and his executive committee looking for ways and means on how to encourage uh, uh, sports activities in most parts of the world. And I believe Youth Olympic Games is a very, very good pilot project for this. And that, I'm certain, is going to lead to very much more basic uh, sports activities and we've seen this uh, happening uh, for the first time in different uh, arena altogether in Buenos Aires and I believe that will help not only what's going to happen in Dakar and Senegal I believe that particular uh, uh, type of inspiration is going to be uh, um, uh, again spread to all parts of Africa and we'll see uh, elements of Africa coming in for instance we had a very successful uh, African Youth Olympic Games um, uh, this year in Algiers and previous that uh, two years four years ago we had a very successful African Youth Games in Botswana and and, and this element is going to help quite a lot and um, I am certain that uh, with the help of the IOC, obviously a lot of resources are necessary, and I'm certain the IOC will provide that uh, to Senegal, but not necessarily for Senegal, because that has to be uh, a, a, a type of eye-opener for the rest of Africa, and to see how uh, sport in Africa and development of sport in Africa can spread. What about the African Games? Um, they are scheduled later this year in Morocco. It's been a troubled event. Um, sometimes on again, off again, organizationally challenged at times. Well, what, what, what future for the African Games? Yeah, at last it's been stabilized. In the beginning, and you know, historically, the African Games were organized by uh, the component which does not exist anymore called the Supreme Council for Sport in Africa. And that was the Council of Ministers. There was no, of course, until Samaranch came, there was no continental uh, 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 Olympic committees in any part of the world, you know, as such. So it is similar to develop that particular component. So in, in Africa, it was the ministerial committee that was responsible. And that ministerial committee is still there, it's still valid, and it is still effective. So now that was the issue. Who is going to run the African Games? Whether it's going to be ENOCA, which is the Association of National Olympic Committees of Africa, or whether it's going to be the ministerial committee. And there, there's always been a debate. Having said that, the, I am happy to say that uh, up to now, in the recent past, the, the four quarter, the, the quadrennial uh, um, uh, African Games has taken part. They have, have been effective. And this year, it's now been again arranged in, in Morocco, and I'm, I'm happy that it's arranged in Morocco because until recently, as I said, the, um, uh, uh, the ministerial committee was responsible, and Morocco was sidelined, was, was isolated, was detached uh, from the African Games simply because it was not part of the African Union. And if you didn't take part in African Union activities, you're not allowed to, to host the games of Africa. So now Morocco is back, and I'm happy to say that this particular component uh, has, has now been established. And from now onwards, we will see a stabilized effect, 
And I don't believe there's going to be any further issues at all uh, as far as um, holding the, the court venue event, which takes place this year. We, we normally, it normally takes place uh, a year preceding the Olympic Games because we use that as a qualifying event. And the Association for the African NOCs um, has, has a new president after a bit of uh, back and forth over, over the election of a successor to Lasana Palinfo, uh, Mustafa Baraf of, uh, of Algeria. Um, you expecting the organization to, to stabilize as well and to be more yes, productive? Yes, and, and of course, he come, yeah, Mustafa Baraf comes from a country with a very rich uh, Olympic history. And where since its independence, it's been very, very good. It, it has won medals at basically every Olympic Games. And, and also, we got a president who now yeah, understands that all, all of Africa must be involved. And of course, you know, this was a, the election was a result of a, a, a previous litigation that took place and had to go to the court of arbitration. And that was settled. And I'm happy to say I am now the chair of the reform committee that is looking at reforming all the structures uh, of uh, uh, NOCA, and I'm deeply involved in it, and I'm hoping uh, by June, July of this year that I would complete the, the reformation process uh, in uh, making sure that all the administrat- uh, administrative components uh, of um, uh, African sport are all in place. And, and that didn't happen in the past, and there were you know, various rumors about uh, funding going in, uh, um, misappropriate, misappropriation and funding, etc. Although personally, I must admit, I haven't seen anything. These again, you know, these are scandals which are picked up. Like for instance, the IUC is also sometimes accused of misappropriation of funding when there is no truth whatsoever in that. So I am happy to say that I am reorganizing many elements of African sport. And I'm going to play a, 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 a deeply role in African sport, no doubt, as a result of that. There, there really is a challenge uh, working across a continent like Africa. You have 54 national Olympic committees. You have Northern Africa. You have Sub-Saharan Africa. You have so many different uh, cultures, languages, and, and distance to deal with. It's uh, quite a challenge. Yes, it, it is an economic challenge, uh, and and that makes the sport in Africa very much more expensive, very much more you know economically not viable. For instance, if we have to go to certain parts of Africa, we, you know there, there is no airline link. We have, uh, from parts of Africa, we have to travel to Europe and then go back to a, a certain country, and that makes traveling very very expensive. And secondly, uh, of course, which I believe is the, the culture, in, in my view, uh, uh, again, to a large extent, has, has resolved it. Cultural differences have resolved themselves. So we have uh, you know, a large Muslim community and a large Christian community. And also, of course, we have uh, traditional uh, religious community, com- uh, communities. And then, of course, we have language barriers. And I think that, again, is another issue that, that brings in the degree of suspicion. we got... Arab-speaking Africa, we've got French-speaking Africa, we've got English-speaking Africa, and we've got Portuguese-speaking Africa. 
and it makes um, organization quite difficult. And we, uh, as a result, translation is important. And then also, as part of this, this uh, bringing everybody together, we must make sure that within the administrative, administrative structure, we have uh, uh, within the, the main executive body of Africa, we have people um, uh, representative of, of all the language groups. And we've done that. It's working superbly well at the moment. Not easy. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think it's what's happening now, and again, thanks again to uh, what's happening in, uh, in, in international sport. The, the focus is on sport and not on language differences or cultural differences, I'm happy to say. It's going to take a bit longer in Africa simply because uh, the, the, the colonial style was dismantled rather late compared to other parts of the world. And because of that, the, the colonial history hasn't yet uh, uh, totally been dismantled. We still have elements of colonial history behind it. Uh, but I believe uh, seeing what's happening in international sport and what's happening um, uh, at the universality level in international sport, it, it's getting the, the, the differences uh, are, are, are not distinct anymore. Uh, back to your IOC activities, one of the commissions that you uh, were a member of, Program Commission, a very important commission because it deals with the uh, with the sports that are contested in each Olympic Games and is responsible for coming up with a, a program that reflects the interests of youth of, 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 of the 21st century. Um, what do you see um, needed for the Olympic program? as we look towards the future. How does the program need to change? Yeah, I think the, 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 the basis of Agenda 2020 have, again, set up uh, largely the, the benchmarks uh, 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 that the uh, uh, Program Commission needs to look into now, of course, as was agreed initially initiated as a result of 20, Agenda 2020, that we now need to look at uh, at events more than overall sports uh, and in certain uh, arenas of sport uh, where uh, certain events are, are quite important for us and uh, that I think uh, has again been highlighted and as a result we'll, we're going to see more and more um, uh, um, participation at, uh, at a broader international level in, in very many sports activities. And again, I think what uh, is challenging at the moment is how, for instance, in certain sport where there, there is uh, very many more events, how to diminish those events and bring in new events. That is a challenge because, uh, you know, we need to, because of the history of the Olympic Games, certain events we, we cannot, for instance, uh, you know, jettison. But then we need to make sure that by not jettisoning the events, we we need to encourage or ensure that the youth of the world is more involved in participation of sport. And that, I think, uh, is a, an excellent component of uh, Agenda 2020. And I believe it's going to evolve over and over again. How it's going to evolve will depend again on uh, the types of activities we do. And what is important at the stage now, which didn't exist, exist many years ago, is that so many sport, the, the so-called 
recognize sports, the IOC recognize sports, how much of activity they are doing, how they're impressing uh, the the program commission, how they're impressing IOC members in what they are doing so that they want to be part of the Olympic Games and not necessarily uh, totally to bring the whole sport in, but to bring certain events in. And I think that is important. And, you know, for instance, what's happening, uh, like, for instance, in, in uh, skating, what is happening in uh, um, uh, sport climbing. You know, certain events are very important for, for the young and the youth. And we cannot forget the young and the youth because they are uh, the, the rulers of the world of the future. And you like the idea of skateboard. Does skateboard deserve a, a place on the Olympic program? At the moment, I, I believe they definitely deserve a place because it's uh, it's, it's exciting sport. It's, uh, it's exciting to watch, and also uh, uh, I was very impressed uh, uh, the, the way that the sport was organized at the Youth Olympic Games, and and the spectator support and the the the, the type of competitiveness of the athletes impressed me very very much. And then there's the whole question of esport. What do you do about esports? That's a that's at the moment, and I think the IUC, of course, we are all at the moment looking for introspection on that particular area. Well, there's still a debate whether it is a sport, and if it is a sport, we have to look at certain elements, whether uh, we can bring in violence into the sport, which e-sport is deeply involved at the moment. We are look, looking at that, and uh, and and I believe if if and when e-sport just come into the Olympic Games, it will be a, a sport that's going to be respected. And this has happened in other sports. For instance, when beach volleyball was brought in, you know, it, it, it had a, a, a different type of um, uh, an outlook. But now, of course, it's highly respected, takes uh, taking part and including all parts of the world. And I believe that is what we need to look at eSport. And, of course, uh, the other challenging element of eSport at the moment is that the, the, the commercial uh, aspect of eSport, which I think is we need to look at, because um, um, uh, tele, uh, te, uh, uh, certain communication companies uh, are making quite a lot of money out, out of eSport. And they are encouraging it to some extent, uh, uh, but not t- taking into uh, uh, consideration the ethical elements of the sport. That is very important. And, uh, you know, that also happens in boxing at the moment, you know, where uh, 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 the professional boxing is, is largely uh, for a TV audience more than anything else. So we need to look at that. We can't have a, a sport which is largely for TV audience. It must be a participating sport. While we will miss you on the IOC as a member, you do have a uh, a successor. Uh, Anand Singh is now IOC mm-hmm. member in South Africa. Mm-hmm. I think he's been on the IOC for a couple of years now. Have you been able to uh, mm-hmm. bring him up to speed? <laughs> yes, we uh, yes actually yeah there, there is a, again, a misunderstanding that he not he hasn't been involved in sport. He's been involved in sport. Uh, uh, since the, the Olympic Games in 1996, and in fact, he's, he's helped our Olympic Game on uh, in, in in producing very many sports uh, programs. He's he's from the communications broadcasting industry, communication right? and broadcasting element. Yes, and and uh, firstly, he's been deeply involved in sport, 
uh, in one component or the other, and uh, and everybody knows him in South Africa as uh, uh, helping sport in very many ways. And as I said, he's helped. Uh, uh, when I was president of the Olympic Committee, he has helped us look, uh, looking at how we can promote sport, how we can market sport, and he's been very deeply involved in that. And of course, now I believe. He's come into the Olympic Games not necessarily uh, as uh, someone with a sports background, but a communication background. And this, again, is part of um, what Agenda 2020 has proposed. You know, we need to bring in expertise. Uh, for instance, we've got um, uh, Louis uh, Alberto Moreno uh, from Colombia, you know, who's got uh, uh, expertise in, uh, in the commercial banking world which I believe is important for the IOC. And at the moment, the IOC also doesn't have a, a, a dearth of uh, uh, members who are deeply involved in communication. I know, for instance, Anand Singh is deeply involved with, with, with uh, all the movie makers in the world, deeply involved with the movie makers in the world. And, and uh, I don't know whether I'm allowed to say this, but he's also uh, you know, a voting member or very many international communication structures. And I believe that will help the IOC in, 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 in again, making sure that we don't only bring in uh, sports people into the world. And, and uh, the other one that we brought in is the lady from um, uh, India, uh, Nita Ambani. Uh, you know, she, she, she's deeply involved in the commercial world. Uh, and I believe the commercial world is going to be uh, 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 essential, crucial uh, for the Olympic Games in the future. She's a big wheel in the uh, in the in the cricket business, in the sport of cricket. That's right. Yes, and cricket uh, and cricket is not part of the Olympic Games, but uh, uh, but I think more importantly, she she does quite a lot of humanitarian work, and I think that is uh, uh, an essential part of what the IOC is doing. And again, the IOC does quite a lot of humanitarian work, and sadly, uh, not, not much publicity is given to that. Uh, you know, the amount of work that you've done on refugee uh, elements within the IUC uh, in, uh, in what we do uh, in providing support uh, for uh, uh, countries where there's been devastation, devastation in wars, uh, devastation in natural disasters. Uh, we do quite a lot of work and quite a lot of money has gone into that. But sadly, this, these elements don't come up. The refugee team that the IOC is is organizing and and supporting is, uh, uh, you think, an important in, in, initiative in this regard. It's it's important because again, uh, you know, with the kids uh, in the refugee camps, we we need to provide them with activity and sport is a very important, very crucial. An essential element in the development uh, uh, of the youth within the, uh, the the refugee community all over the world, and it provides them with, a, with a, an, an international outlook, an outlook uh, uh, that's going to inspire them, an outlook uh, that's going to motivate them to do other things, and uh, and the IUC uh, is part of that uh, that, that particular object uh, for within the the, the refugee element. And it works closely with UNESCO. It works closely with um, 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 uh, UNICEF to, to ensure uh, that the support we provide uh, is useful. Will you still be involved with the IOC now that you've retired? 
Uh, yeah, I, I, well, I will definitely be involved in African sport because, as I said, I'm now deeply involved as chair of the reform committee, and that's going to keep me involved in, in the African uh, Olympic movement for, for many, many years to come. And I'm still deeply involved in international swimming. I'm the second vice president of FINA, uh, and that goes on until 2021. And, uh, <laughs> and of course, you know, all of us... <laughs> Uh, have this uh, uh, chronological element uh, that we do is not going to last forever. But it is nice to slow down and smell the roses, so to speak. <laughs> That's right. How important has <laughs> it been? That, yet. How important has the uh, support and understanding of of your wife Helga been with your career? Yeah, well, I met uh, as a result of my participating uh, uh, in some uh, 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 coaching activities in the, the former East Germany in 1993, and there he was, you know, a, a part of the administrative team. And, of course, uh, she uh, played basketball for the East German team for many years. She represented uh, the, the national team of uh, what was called the GDR, the German Democratic Republic. And she took part in the uh, European Championship. She took part in the World Championships as, as a basketball player. So she's deeply involved, and, and that brought us much closer. And she understands sport. And, and understanding sport makes my work much easier. She, she monitors everything that I do. She provides me very discreetly uh, with, uh, with the advice. Uh, and uh, you know, obviously, that's important for us. And and this happens to to very many uh, spouses within the Olympic movement. And and that again, I think you know, it's not highlighted, and um, because unlike politicians, who they they take the spouses and you know, uh, hand in hand and walk around in the streets for television companies. Uh, but uh, I don't think IOC members do that. But IOC member spouses play a, 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 a role in enhancing uh, the, the value of IOC membership. Well, Samram Sammy, it's really been a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you, Ken. Thank you very much uh, uh, for all the work that you do, Ed, and you're doing quite a lot of work. And, you know, I also admire the work you do. You know, you're not a SECO fan. And uh, you hit the nail on the head, and of course I follow your uh, um, editorial pieces, and uh, you know you, you've been uh, uh, quite fair, uh, a very balanced editorial pieces, and and I'm hoping you'll continue that. And I'm certain you're much younger than I am, so you've got a longer <laughs> uh, 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 period to hang on than I do. Well, I ho- I hope we I hope we still keep hitting the nail on the head, as you say. <laughs> That's it. That is important, and and <laughs> that's important. As I said, you know, strike. You 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 need one needs to strike the iron on the head while it is still hot, <laughs> and that's that is what is happening. Happy New Year to you! Uh, congratulations for your uh, long IOC career, and we look forward to seeing you soon again. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, Ed. Thank you very very much, and all the best to you and Sheila. Thank you very much, Sam Sam Rams. Sam Ramsamy has been our guest on this edition of Around the Rings Radio. I'm Around the Rings editor Ed Hula. Thanks for joining us today. For 25 years, your best source of news about the Olympics, aroundtherings.com.